everybody welcome to the 293rd edition of the holy backboard podcast i am dustin here in rip city and i got my man sage chilling here in beaverton oregon i had family over this weekend and i was exhausted so i'm finally refreshed feeling like myself very happy to be here talking with you about this huh absolutely it's it's been a very stressful two weeks for me, both personally and professionally. I was on call as a communicator, and it it's the second time I've been on call. And of course, it's the second time it snowed this year. Who would have thought snow in April? So getting up at 4 a.m., putting out communications, just being paranoid, checking the weather every four hours, like what it's going to be, uh, just not for me. I did not enjoy it. Got into a car accident. I am okay, but now I'm having to deal with the insurance company. And obviously there's some personal stuff as well. And it's just been a long two weeks. And that's why there was no future Friday uh, last week. We both were dealing with our own shit. So there was no pushback when I said, we don't need to do this. <laughs> no, like, so it, it's, it's like I, I had my weekend and now I need my weekend to like fully like enjoy myself. Cause that was just a recovery weekend. And it's, it's, it's rough out there. And it was rough out there. If you were a trailblazer fan as well, the new Orleans Pelicans defeated the Spurs on Monday. They defeated the Los Angeles Clippers in LA on Friday or excuse me, Tuesday and Friday. Um, and Sage, that was a back and forth game as someone who I really was down the middle. I was like, I'm cool. If we get the pick, I'm cool. If we get the pick in 2025, I outlined the reasons why I thought that was beneficial last episode. So, so this isn't a, Oh, we didn't want it anyway. Podcast. No, we have that on wax. I am okay with the pick in 2025. So I'm watching it and it's like, Oh, go Pelicans. Like CJ is absolutely cooking app. Just destroyed the Spurs as well. And then the Clippers start making the run and they go up by 13. You got Norm and Covington doing the damn thing, but whom, just, you know, showing like peak Batum years. And I was like, oh, okay, sweet. Like we'll get, we'll get the pick. And then the Pelicans just made that push. You could just tell they really missed um, the Clippers really missed Paul George down the stretch. There just was no go-to score. And the Pelicans had two of them and they end up making the postseason out of the plan. And my emotions in that game were also 50, 50 Sage. 50% of me was like really happy. Like I'm, I'm watching all of these former trailblazers. Four of them played on the team this year, six in total, five played Rodney hood did not get off the bench for the Clippers, but you had Nicholas Batum, you had Covington uh, Powell for the Clippers. And then you had, uh, you know, CJ Larry and Tony Snell. So seven, I kind of forget that Tony Snell happened in Portland. No disrespect to Tony, but I really completely kind of blocked that out. And it was like 50%, like really like these guys are getting their shine. Like, hell yeah. And then 50% was just like embarrassment to be a Blazer fan because 
this is like a a case study for GMs. Hey, it's almost like one of those uh, infomercials at 3 a.m. in the morning. Hey, does your team need help? Could you use a veteran right off the bench? Could you use a star player? Call Joe Cronin right now. He'll make it happen for you. And it just was like, good God, could we have not gotten fleeced any harder? Uh, so what it ended up being, Sage, you know, we give away those five players that I just mentioned. You get back Eric Bledsoe's contract, Justice Winslow, Josh Hart, Keon Johnson, uh, Dee, and a 2025 Milwaukee first round pick. Um, made worse, like I saw on Reddit, that the Pelicans got more for a free agent, or excuse me, the, the Charlotte Hornets got more draft collateral. Back oh, yeah, Devontae. For Devontae Graham as a free agent than Portland did for five actual basketball players on their roster. So, um, like I said, 50% happy for the guys, 50% being like, oh, this team is in trouble. So those were my emotions watching it uh, Friday night. Of course, I love the Pelicans, but at the same time, it's like, okay, I'm I'm just riding the fence. I'm trying not to not to really care what happens. And then like when the the Pelicans made that last final push, I'm like, all right, this could be this could be very interesting. So now I was just watching and watching. And when they won, I was like, I get to see a team that I like in the playoffs. This is awesome. And then I did not look at social media for the full 24 hours after that shit. So I have no idea how other people felt about it. But, uh, you know, for me to watching and, you know, like for the people of New Orleans to like see a team, you know, go all out and achieve the goal of making the playoffs is really, really cool. But, you know, as a as a Blazer fan, I'm like, oh, shit, man. But it made me think about the New Orleans Pelicans roster. There were three rookies playing real rotation minutes for that team in uh, Trey Murphy, Herbert Jones, and Jose Alvarado. We have three picks. We got to hit on these picks, man, because having hitting on second rounders and non-draft uh, on guys that didn't even get drafted, it made New Orleans like legitimately a contender for the playoffs. And I know this draft isn't as loaded as last year's or two years ago, but it's time to really focus on the Blazers management, scouting these players, like finding a Herb Jones in the second round or finding a Jose Alvarado in the, in the uh, undrafted, like Devontae Graham's going to get traded next year because of Jose. Like the fact maybe, that maybe Kyra Lewis jr. Gets traded as well. Like hitting on those second round picks is really, really important. And I know that we lost out on a potential lottery pick first rounder, but we still have three picks in this draft and they have to be legitimate NBA players. We can't, we can't stub our toe on, on any of these picks because they're so valuable and they're so cheap. It's cost control contracts and you know, ants getting paid and you know, Yusuf's getting paid. We need to find guys that are good that are like $8 million players but are getting paid 600,000 because of their draft where they were drafted. So I hope Cronin and I hope everybody on the trailblazer staff sees what new Orleans did with, you know, so many players that weren't top five drafted players and realize that there's some ballers in this draft class and they need to do their due diligence on them. 
So Sage, my biggest question for you is how does this change Portland's off-season strategy? Really, the whole off-season was built around having two lottery picks. You have this $20 million trade exception. If you go over the cap, you have the mid-level exception to use. If you were to somehow navigate the salary cap and have cap space, you could sign a decent player. But it was really built around these two lottery picks, a high second round pick, and one of the last picks in the draft. You could have done uh, numerous things. Whether we wanted the 11th pick or we wanted the Milwaukee pick, there's no doubt about it that having the 11th pick this year held more value around the league. That is now gone. That avenue to improve the team to win with Damian Lillard is gone. How does Joe Cronin now shift? Does he shift at all? Like, what, what do you think is going through the mind over at, at one center court? That was the thing with us earlier in the year when we assumed we had two. We had no idea what was the plan after the draft this summer. I have no idea. It makes it harder and it makes it. So you have to hit. I think that having four picks gave you a margin for error, but now it's like you, you can't pick some 18 year old that has promise when there's like a 20 year old that's good in the second round. You, I mean, like it, it makes everything so much harder and I don't know the plan. We never know the plan. Like this, this team's so tight lipped about plan A and B. So you can only speculate what it is. Uh, I really don't know what their what their plans are. Like in the back of my mind, I think it would be easier to just like prove Dame's healthy and trade them. But like I, I truly don't know what plan A or B is for this team, other than pick the best player possible in the draft and hope for lottery lottery luck. Like having Jabari Smith makes this so much easier than having Keegan Murray or AJ Griffin. Yeah, I, I think, you know, all we're doing right here is speculating because we don't really have any, any insight. And I think any other podcast or media outlet claiming to, I, I think, is just full of it, to, to be to be honest. What, what I do think, though, is we still have a little bit of time between now and May 17th. Like you said, I think the draft lottery will, will tell uh, a much larger story. Does Portland move down? Does Portland stay at six? Do they move up into the top four, get one of those co uh, coveted prospects? Then I think the, the the philosophy shifts a bit. I think if you do hit on the first or second pick, even third, I, I think you can still try to win with Dame, at least put a competitive team around him while also having a young centerpiece in, in Jabari Smith, so, so to speak. It would almost be like the Spurs when they had Tim, Tony, and Manu, and they hit, it wasn't in the top pick, but they hit with Kawhi Leonard, and they were still able to go a little young while keeping their older core together, and it ended up winning them a championship. So that path is there. I'm not saying Portland has that foundation that the Spurs had, but it is kind of the same philosophy, so to speak. So like you said, it does make a ton of um, difference if they do move up in the draft. If they move down, uh, then you really are looking at like they can go one of two ways. They could go, okay, we, we're in desperation mode. Let's say three teams jump us. You have the ninth pick. Joe Cronin could go to Detroit and say, 
we need Jeremy Grant and we're going to do whatever we can to get him. I mean, that, that would be, I think, you know, really a desperate move for uh, a, a GM looking to, to save face, or they could really go the other way and say, we have literally no assets tradable right now. Nasir Little's coming off of an injury. Yusuf Nurkic, it's really hard to execute sign-in trades. It's even harder to execute sign-in trades for restricted free agents in Anthony Simons. All of your tradable assets, not named Josh Hart, you can't do anything with them. So then it might just be, okay, we got to play this out. We're going to see what we can get from Dame, um, show the league that he's actually healthy, and then look to make like a deadline deal uh, down the road. And then if you stay at six, I think there are some things you can do. You could go safe route. Okay, Keegan Murray, we think you can do similar production as uh, Jeremy Grant. You can play right away at that four, fit right in. You're good to go. Or they could, again, go the other route and say, we're going to go upside. You know, we really like Shaden Sharp. Like we're going to go Ant, Shaden, Nasir. And again, what will move Dame at the deadline. So it just really all depends on what happens at the, the draft lottery. Because then they'll be able to see, okay, is it really worth using a $20 million trade exception to, to stay competitive? Like players who make that kind of money and that teams are willing to just let you absorb them. It's like there a Gordon to, Hayward or a Russell. Yeah, it, there it's going to be a, there. There has to be a lot of red flags right there. Like mm-hmm. you know, you're not coming back from injury or a really shitty year where you are. I don't think the Sacramento deficit. Kings are just going to hand you over Harrison Barnes on a silver platter and say, "Hey, take take the contract off your hands." No, Sacramento is a team that hasn't made the playoffs since 06. They're trying to win as well. So. You can look at anybody making you know twenty million dollars or less. Doesn't mean that they're just going to get served up to Portland because Portland has an open spot that can just absorb that that money. Yeah, it, it's. I mean, it, it was tough with two first round picks, so now the margin for error is just astronomically small. It's almost zero. Yeah, it, it, it you really have to get lucky with a top two pick. Yeah, or and, even and, the number one. Like, and to, and to be honest. Even as good as Damian Lillard was his rookie year, if you get a rookie as good as Dame's rookie year, you're still not contending. Like it's gonna take time, time that the Portland superstar doesn't have. So, I mean, we've I think talked about this probably damn near every episode since the beginning of the year that Portland continues to kind of straddle the fence between rebuild or try to win, and they they they're they're still. On, on the train tracks, they're still playing chicken. They have not, you know, veered left or veered right. Sooner or later, it's going to come straight on. Like th- they need to make a a move because the other mm. the other oncoming vehicle, it's not stop, stopping or slowing down. You know, like this w- when we talked about Dame's future this summer, I wanted to keep him, and you know, as the year has gone by, I'm like, fuck. It, it, it's going to be so tough to team build with, with Dame at his age and the lack of assets we have. So now it's just like, ugh, this is going to hurt. But I, I really think that Dame might, this might be like the last six months of Dame Lillard in a Blazers uniform, just because it's like, it, it makes so much more, it's easier to uh, create a sustainable product with draft capital. And since we don't have our own pick for ev- like the bulls have our pick until it's conveyed. So it's, it's going to be very that's a very long time. So if, as long as you keep missing the playoffs, you'll get your pick. But yeah, you're going to have to pay up sooner or 
or later, but I'm in that same boat with you. I would say the number one takeaway from New Orleans winning that game against the Clippers, it further cemented my stance that Portland needs to rebuild. Um, They need to find out a good landing spot for Dame. And I know it feels weird that you're you're essentially pushing out a, a franchise player arguably the best in team history, someone who wants to be here. I, I know that that I'm listening to what I'm saying and it sounds sacrilege. I get it. But at the same time, I'm also self-aware enough with this team that I don't see an avenue to get better and actually like win with, with Dame. Like if that was an option, like if you, if you keep the 11 pick and you, maybe you move up to two or three, you have assets to go out and get an Anthony Davis type of player. Like those are legitimate big boy assets that you can go out and get yourself a top 10 guy and really go in. Like there's, I think maybe people miss misunderstand like what going all in is going all in. Isn't trading your lottery pick for a third or fourth starter going all in to win is getting LeBron, getting AD, like finding a way to get one of those big dogs to come team with Dame because that that's what it's going to take. Like the West is getting so much better. Look at, look at Minnesota going on the mm-hmm. road and stealing game one in Memphis. Memphis is not going away anytime soon. Like, so there are up and comers and then you've got, you know, teams like Denver and the Clippers that they're going to get their, they're going to get their guys back too. So the West it's not going to stay down for long. It's going to come back reloaded and recharged. So unless you've got, you know, a squad that can match up with that, you you might want to just like hit that reset button and just wait, wait your turn. And I think it's probably a difficult to think about if you're a Blazer fan, because I was thinking not even just my tenure as a fan, but through the 50 plus years, you know, you go to the championship season, there's really only been like five or six times that Portland has just kind of really thrown the white flag up and said, well, we're tanking or we're just really that bad. They've always been somewhat competitive in the playoff mixture. I think they had like over 20 year streak of making the playoffs from the eighties all the way up until like Oh three. So the fans are used to consistency. Uh, The organization is known for that, but you Every action has a consequence. There's a consequence for what Neil Olshay did in 2016. There's a consequence for taking Zach Collins over Bam Adebayo in 2017. Like there's consequences for trading these draft picks for Larry Nance, Covington. Like it just, it adds up. And now you're at this point where Joe Cronin gets the job and he's like, okay, you have to cut salary. And he does that, but he gives away four or five of your good assets. And you're left with one starting player, Josh Hart. You have one prospect in Keon Johnson, whose value I don't think is super high around the league. He's a first-round pick, but he's very raw. I mean, he was the 24th pick. Yeah. That's, that's pretty And you low. have a Milwaukee 2025 pick. That is that is the opposite of an asset war chest, Sage. I mean, that's just kind yeah, of Yeah, I mean, like, think New Orleans has C.J. McCollum in so many picks. Like the, They have the Lakers pick this year, unproductive. <laughs> uh-huh. So you could make the playoffs and still get your lottery pick. I mean, just think about it. There is a world where that New Orleans pick is better than the uh, Blazers pick, just because of how bad the Lakers shit the bed. Like, and how, how did how did they get those picks? Sage, <laughs> they they decided okay, Anthony Davis doesn't want to be here. I know that's not our scenario here, 
but they had a, a good asset that wasn't working. They moved it. And then Drew Holiday was left behind because that's just how it happened. And he wasn't good enough to carry that team. So they decided we're going to find you a good spot, going to find you a desperate spot because my boy was Milwaukee desperate. It was worth it. They got the championship, but they paid that premium. Mm-hmm. Multiple first round picks. So now you're looking at New Orleans where you're able to get a shit ton of first round picks and you can use one or two of well, one in, in their case to get CJ McCollum. So you could, the, the Pelicans could have done three and been fine. Like yeah. they could have assets. They could have had two picks for a while in every draft. Like if you were doing a 2K version of this, like as a rebuild, like you need to have multiple picks. And the fact that Chicago's has access to our first round pick is just so detrimental to this team. And I know that this is a bummer, like, as the Blazers season has ended to think about trading the most transcendent player that actually wants to be here and has roots here. But at the same time, it's like you're looking down a path that leads to failure because you don't have any assets to really build up that contender around Dame. Like it, we've failed uh, as the Blazers organization has failed to uh, put together a uh, legitimate team around Dame. You know, when we we discussed that the ESPN future power ranking, putting Portland at 28th, only ahead of Sacramento and Washington, you know, people probably took offense to that. Like, how can you say that? You still have Damian Lillard. You have Anthony Simons. Like, I I, I, I am impressed at the leap that Anthony made. I, I don't want to get too excited Um you know, you may agree or you may disagree with media outlets such as ESPN, but they put out a top 25 players under the age of 25 and no trailblazer, including Anthony Simons was mentioned on that list. So when people when did say, they make that article, it was two or three weeks ago. Oh, wow. So after Anthony had that just explosion of play uh, in, in the winter and into early spring, so when you're looking at, okay, we got Dame, we got Ant, and then you got Nas and Josh Hart and Nurk, it sounds good when you're saying it, but there's just the top end talent outside of Dame is not there. And, and I, I love Nasir Little, but he's never been able to stay healthy. I love what Anthony Simons has been able to do, but we, we've discussed age. He needs to be more aggressive, and he still is a, a lead guard who needs the ball in his hands. And Nurk has shown promise but he's also shown a lot of inconsistency. So And injury issues. And injury history. So And we're really only starting to scratch the surface with Josh Hart, but I, I do like what Josh Hart brings, but I want to see him start. And again, Is there a way that Josh Hart is the third best player on a contending team? If your two best players are like Damon Anthony Davis, like if you have if you have two top end like top end yes I absolutely so if he's on the Brooklyn Nets yes okay is there a way we could become the Brooklyn Nets like I feel like his best outcome reasonable outcome is like a fourth or fifth starter I mean I I think he is good enough that if you have I mean but again we're talking about like getting Jordan Pippen next to him and you you where are you going to find those players? Like they, they don't just magically appear and Oh, Portland can, can sign them in some, you know, randomized draft. Like it just, it doesn't happen. If, if you would have kept the, the pick 
from the Pelicans and you move up, I do think you could have gotten that top end talent, but that, that avenue is now closed. Like there's a road closure sign there. You have to detour and it's, it's going to continue to, to wind and you're going to have to figure your own route to, to the final destination. Like, are you going to go young or are you going to try to manufacture a competitive team? Not contending. Like I, I just, I just don't see it. I think they can make a competitive team, but you are going to sacrifice. I think a lot of long-term future assets. Yeah. yeah. Well, I would push back on the fact that we could make an Anthony Davis trade with the top, with, with the new Orleans pick at 11. Like, no, it would be 11 plus if we moved up in the draft. So it's still remove, it would still require Portland to move into the top two. And I you mean, have there, there's a lot of ifs, ands, and buts to that sentence. And that's, but it, that's, and that's where we're at right now. But it, like, I, I think about like, let's just say Oklahoma City said, fuck it. We're, we're, we want to compete. We're not going to draft another guard and have a weird Phoenix Suns era team. We're going to compete. There's no way that we can compete with them if, for Anthony Davis or, you know, like, well, no, nobody can compete with OKC's war chest right now. Yeah, like, but I, like an average war chest, we couldn't compete. So it, it's like our best offer, our godfather offer to have a competitive player match with Dame. It loses like eighty five percent of the time <laughs> to anybody else's godfather offer. So it's like, man, it has to be the absolute perfect situation where like Oklahoma city doesn't like Anthony Davis. He's not coming back to new Orleans. So new Orleans is out. Oklahoma city doesn't want him. Like all these other teams that have more assets than us don't want him. Okay. We'll take, we'll send him to new uh, to Portland. It's like, damn, everything has to be perfect. And I'm sure one in a million things happen. Like I, I know every week in daily fantasy, someone wins a million dollars. That's someone's like super duper random. That's kind of how it is for the Portland Trailblazers to compete for a championship right now. It's that one in a million, like I'm putting this weird ass lineup together and if it works, it works. But a lot of things have to happen where it's like, if, if, if Pascal Siakam or somebody better than him, like other teams are going to want his services. So Portland has their Godfather for just sucks. <laughs> Yeah, and and again, like as good as Pascal is, I don't think I don't think he I don't think he's gonna push us over. But no. that was the first first person I could think of. Yeah, like you you really need like the 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 cream of the crop. Um, I have a question for you, and it kind of pertains to CJ McCollum. Do you think that Dame watching CJ have fun? have success in a different setting with a different organization, with a different set of teammates has. And Willie green. Like, I think that's a super, like you see how he talks to people versus Chauncey. Do you think it's changed his maybe perception of even being okay with getting traded? Or do you think he's, I mean, I think clearly if he had a choice, he would win in Portland and we would all want that, but he's always been so set in staying in, in rip city. But do you think seeing what CJ's doing, he could be like, maybe that's not so bad because he's always said like the grass isn't always greener, but he's now seeing CJ and at least for the interim and the short term, 
it, it looks better than the situation he left behind in Portland. Mm-hmm. You know, like I don't want to pretend to know Damian Lillard in any any way other than I DJed for him once in 2012. Like he doesn't know I exist. So like to try and I, I think that what what he has shown in his years as a Portland trailblazer is loyalty. So I think that it's going to take a lot for him to say, fuck it. I'm requesting a trade. It might be a little bit like, okay, I see, I see my, my boy making strides with the new team, but it's like, I don't, I I don't think him as a person wants to, to quit. I think it will probably take more than uh than what is happening right now for him to request a trade. Like, I don't think he does the Anthony Davis thing. Like if it no, happens, I, I don't think he would ever go out and request trade. It was my questions were like, do you AD think did it be more like, my question is like, do you think maybe he'd be more open to a new scenario? Sure. But I don't think it's going to, I, I don't think it's going to be like, it, I don't think it's knocking the door down just because of who Dame is, as he is a person with the, yeah. the loyalty thing. Like we're gonna, I don't know. Like it, it's bad, but I don't think it's as bad as it possibly can be. So I think Dame's gonna try and make it work until he gets pushed over the edge, and I don't think he's pushed over the edge yet. With Portland having three picks, we don't know the nature of the first round pick quite yet, but. Give me your best case right now and your worst case scenario for the draft. For examples could be my best case is I want to move the pick for X player or I want to trade down and get both of Charlotte's picks. Um, Or your worst case could be we take X. So give me your, let's start a positive. Give me your best case scenario right now. And this is if Portland stays at six. There's no, obviously we want to move up. Obviously, we don't want to move down. This is just right now. We have the sixth pick. Give me your best case scenario. Whoever's at five takes Keegan Murray, and then we have a choice between AJ Griffin and Benedict Matherin. And I think that's probably the best possible thing because I don't think either of them are competing for Dame or Ant for touches. I think both of them know their roles and regardless of what happens with Damian Lillard, they fit with our, our team because, you know, you, you can always use that off ball score. And I think those two absolutely um, can do that role and uh, be good for the rebuilding and then the, the building of a, a contending team. So I think those two would be my uh, best potent, best possible outcome unless something crazy happens. Yeah, if if we're at six, I think my best case scenario is that Keegan Murray is off the board. I, I will agree with you there. And again, I know we, we, we discussed like when we had two picks, like oh, you really can take a risk because you have two picks. But are you, seeing, are you, are you going Shaden? Yeah. Okay. Seeing that pick go away until 2025. And knowing that those assets are starting to build up down the road and kind of believing that it's not really in the cards to build a legitimate contender around Damian, I I go full, full rebuild. And I I take the player who I think has the highest upside. 
And it's a two-way guard, shade and sharp. Like they're the reports say he's a willing defender. Um, that's my question with Benedict is the the off-ball defense. Like I would love Benedict as well, but I, I think the 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 ceiling from what I've read, again, it's it's very limited, but sometimes you have to take a little bit of a risk. You got to swing. So, so either Giannis or Yijin Liang who yes, practiced against a exactly. fucking chair. Like, you know, I'm I'm really tired of looking back and saying, man, I wish we would have taken Giannis in 2013. This could be the I'm glad we took Shaden Sharp in 2022. You've got Anthony who can play the one. He stays at the one. Sharp at the two. Nasir at the three. I think Josh Hart's your your great vet that you keep around on that wonderful contract. And then your goal as a, as the GM is to start fielding those forward positions. But I'm, you know, Amperny is still very young. I, I would be very excited at the potential of a Simon's sharp uh, backcourt. And I think the size is fantastic. He's already grown two inches uh, over the year. Maybe he gets, he gets taller and longer. Uh, and maybe because there is so little film on him that that's why he's available. He, he could go, I mean, you could be looking back in a year and say, man, why did he not go higher? And you could also be like, oh, my God, why did the Blazers take him? Yeah. So it is it is risky, but oh, absolutely. That's 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 what I that's what I would go with, because I am I am ready to embrace a, a decent rebuild because, I mean, it's been the foundation slowly been deteriorating for for three years now. Like we have not had a good season since that Western Conference finals appearance and it's time to just kind of like take the medicine and say, okay, now we're going to take whatever we get from Dame. Those are going to be some hell of good assets. And, you know, it may suck for a couple of years, but there's some good drafts coming up. And there always are because the talent level, the how the players are evolving. I can't really remember the last like quote unquote shitty draft. Like there's talent, find somebody who has an eye for it and just draft the shit out of players and build this thing back up and do it sustainably. I'm just, there's such little tape for me to like in the, in the clips, I was just like, okay, like I, I, I just trust what I've seen from AJ and, and, and Benedict more so than the, the, the two EYBL games that are available on the internet. So he has to kill it in, uh, in uh, those pre-draft workouts. But for me, I, it, I wasn't sold on the, the those clips, and I'm sure I could look foolish for saying that, but I would rather go with the what I've seen from Benedict and what I've seen from AJ. Like they might not have the superstar potential, but shit, Shane Sharp might not have it either because we haven't seen him play in two years. And you know, like the co- the COVID year of him not playing could indirectly affect him for multiple years because he hasn't played professional or not professional, but like high level ball in a long time. AJ and Benedict have last time they played, you know, high level ball was a few weeks ago. So if it, it was me, I, I think those two are higher on, on my list than Shaden. I would rather have Shaden than uh, Johnny Davis, but I I don't think Shaden as of right the second is touching the, the, the two uh, off ball guards. What's me. your worst case? What's your worst case scenario? Keegan Murray. I, I I'm just not sold on him. Like especially if it's a rebuilding team, I don't I don't want that. And you know it's crazy that I like EJ Liddell, and I think those two players are very very similar. But at six, I don't want it. But at 22, I want it. So 
I, I get that there might be some uh, uh, problems with it, but I just think that selecting Keegan Murray at six is just way too much of a wasted asset for me, where I, I would absolutely positively take Shaden Sharp over Keegan Murray at this very moment. I mean, like, obviously, Ty Ty Washington or something would be worse. Yeah, but like, that's just not realistic. That's just unrealistic as hell. But I think there absolutely is a world where Cronin just falls in love with Keegan Murray's good defense. And, you know, like, I, I don't know. Like, I think that would be my worst possible thing. And I know that Blazer f- fans on Twitter have said that he's they like him. I just – I've watched – like five games of them. And I've just been like, eh, I, w- I would much rather go with Benedict Matherin or AJ Griffin. Yeah. That's honestly my worst case scenario as, as well. Well, I would say trading the pick for um, a veteran who, who is a fourth or fifth, that's probably my worst case. Second worst case. If we do just stay in the draft would be Keegan Murray. Again, I think he's going to be solid. I think he probably has like a Harrison Barnes type of career, but where Portland is right now, it's, a, it's just a wasted asset. Um, yeah. You're, you're, you need to like, we're, we're in a well and we need to like go up a couple, couple rungs on that ladder. Keegan's like maybe like one or two rungs. We need to start moving like four or five at a time. So like it helps, but it's just, if we had a, it, where would you take Keegan Murray? On your personal board, where would you take him? Where would you feel comfortable? At what pick would you feel comfortable taking? If we had the 11th pick, I would be thrilled to take him at 11. There's yeah. just too many players I like. Ahead Six of is just it, it's too it, high. It's too high. It's too high for what I think Keegan Murray's upside is. I think that he's a, his his floor safe. I've been so unimpressed with this game. It's just like. That that's the absolute worst potential thing for me with is Keegan Murray. I, I the, there's so many good guards. Like I don't want us to be pigeonholed into thinking that the four picking a four is the best thing. I mean, if if, if Cronin's number one, like if his sixth guy is Keegan Murray, I have questions about his scouting processes. But like, I, I kind of get it. It's just not the right. S- system for him like if we're truly rebuilding i mean he's gonna he's gonna be a fine rotation player that just isn't it just isn't us so you mentioned joe cronin the team still has not removed the interim tag from his um job title job description you name it do you think he gets baron davis like you remember when new orleans was trying to trade Baron Davis and only got Speedy Claxton and old ass Dale Davis. Do you think there's a potential chance that Dean Lillard can get the Baron Davis return? When you say Baron Davis, my mind goes to Neil O'Shea in Los Angeles and trading Baron Davis as a salary dump to the Cleveland Cavaliers and they give up their first round pick. That first round pick, they're like, yeah, it's only eight odds. Cleveland's like, okay. Give it to us, please. It turned out to be Kyrie fucking Irving. Mm-hmm. So that's where my mind goes. I mean, both are equally terrible, you know, returns. You give up Kyrie and you get Baron Davis. You give up Baron Davis, you get Speedy Claxton and Dale Davis. Yeah, um, it, it was not a fun time in my life when that shit happened. So I've kind of been vocal about this. I wasn't the, the biggest proponent of Joe Cronin, you know, initiating one of the biggest 
you want to call it what you want. That was a teardown um, at the trade deadline when you trade four or five rotational players, um, tried to give it the benefit of the doubt, was patient after the Clipper trade was made, wanted to give the full deadline. Um, and just the more I think about it and you start to see, okay, wow, they really did just throw in Larry Nance for no no good goddamn reason. And, you know, wh- wh- what what did they get? I mean, there's just- And you saw Larry Nance win, be a rotation player at the last five minutes of a yeah. very, very crucial game. So I wasn't on board with, with Joe Cronin, you know, executing that plan, whatever it was. I mean, I, I distinctly remember recording a post deadline edition still being pretty cloudy on the, the vision for Portland. Like they didn't completely tear it down with, you know, salary uh, cap moves, um, but they didn't, you know, get a lot of assets either to, you know, either long-term be set up or to use in, in a win now type of trade. So my, my question to you, Sage, is is Joe Cronin making the pick for Portland in, in June or is there going to be a new face on board? And if it is Cronin, how uncertain are you right now? I mean, dog, I was uncertain that the Pelicans were going to take Anthony Davis in 2012, even though it was easily the number one pick. So when once... When we're at the draft or when we're watching the draft, it's going to be like, oh, man, we're going to fuck this up. And then we're, I'm going to be surprisingly happy if we don't fuck it up. I might not say this, but like I'm probably taking Keegan Murray and fucking this shit all up. But, you know, hopefully he doesn't take Keegan Murray and fuck this shit up. But maybe I, 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 I don't know if I'm trusting in his eye as a uh, as an evaluator of talent. And I know that, you know, it, it's not the most uh, amount of moves that he's made, but I don't think I liked any of the moves that he's made other than completely sucking. But yeah. And you have to would also. You I think he's a good person. I don't think he's a good yes. general manager at the, yes. the very second. Yes. And you have to also think about other GMs. It takes two to tango. You especially look at that display on national television. No other basketball fan was watching any other action other than Clippers and Pelicans. And these GMs are like, all of these players from Portland are helping out those teams. And they didn't have to give up much. You know there is blood in the water around Portland, Oregon right now. And those GMs calling, they smell it, and they're going to circle. He is not going to get one legitimate. I mean, he's going to have to negotiate his ass off to get a deal because they've seen the returns. They don't want to be at least on an equal footing in terms of a trade return. Other GMs are like, what the fuck's wrong with you? How did you not like get the better end of the deal here? It's going to be difficult for him now because he's put himself in the, in that kind of reputation sphere, so, so to speak. And, and don't get me wrong. I, I fully believe that Jody Allen told him to clear the book. Oh, absolutely. Cause you're going to have to pay Amphrey and you're going to have to pay Yusuf and he may be a fall guy. However, Fall guy or not, he left value on the table, and there were there's just inexcusable trades uh, that he made. So as a Blazer the fact that Thad Young got a first round pick, yes. and we didn't get one for Norman Powell, who is he going to be the third option of the 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 Clippers next year? Fourth option, probably third or fourth option. Reggie, Kawhi, Paul, Paul. I mean, right? either, either he or Terrence Mann. Yeah. 
like we gave up a lot. Like Thad Young rarely played for the Raptors. Like, trust me, I played Thad Young at thirty five hundred dollars on Fanduel. He didn't play that much. Yeah. <laughs> so when you're looking uh, at a Blazer franchise with their highest draft pick in ten years, it's pretty unsettling that you have an interim GM that could be making the call who doesn't have the best track record already in his short stint as 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 interim general manager. So it, it really is, I, I think, very uncertain times. And, you know, we go back to that future power rankings. I absolutely see why we're third to last. Like it's, it, it could be a while until we, we get out of the, out, out of this. Like I kind of almost think of it as you look at the, the Blazers in 2000 when they got so close to beating the Lakers and then it slowly started to deteriorate. And then by the time 03, 04 rolled around, it was like rock bottom and, and Portland didn't make the playoffs for six years. Mm. It's it, it, it could go that way if, if they don't start making some smart decisions and, and it could be with who is going to be that decision maker. So question do you think we're really third or do you think we're second to last? Like I could put up an argument that says the wizards have a better future than us. I could as well, especially yeah. if Bradley Beal resigns. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Better coach. Yep. I would say Ruri Hachimura, Danny Adia, Corey Stapps. Like, I, yeah, I, I, they have future flexibility and we don't. They, th- their future first round pick isn't owed to another franchise. Exactly. It Kings, really, it really maybe. all depends. I think on the return you get from Lillard and what you do with the draft this year. Yeah. It, it's, it's rough out there. Like, yeah, I, th- I think if Bradley Beal says, you know what, I'm going to be loyal to Washington. Like Chris Porzingis is better than anyone on the Blazers right now. And I, I get it, like, Chris Stapps didn't show up in the playoffs and yada, yada, yada. Would you rather have Chris Tops or Yusuf Nurkic right now? It's, it's, it's kind of an easy question. So I, I, it's a very tough place to be in if you're a Blazers fan. What will make it better is if we get that top four pick. I, I really don't know what, what happens at six for the rest of free agency. I really, I, it's, it's going to be a surprise to everybody. Um, fuck. <laughs> that's, I mean, it was, that's all I, I really wanted to chat about. Like it was a pretty uh, eventful week. Um, clearly a lot of people wanted that 11th pick. It didn't happen. You know, one of the reasons I was okay with it moving to 2025 was hopefully there's a new decision maker make, making that pick. I I, I full, fully believe it's going to be a worse pick than 11. But like you said, with the Pelicans reference, it doesn't necessarily matter where you pick. It's kind of who you pick because they found some gems and the talent level continues to rise every draft and more and more second round steals are found. You know, Milwaukee, they're going to they're paying a lot of money to their big three and only Giannis is is relatively young. So they don't have a lot of first round picks either. They're all going to New Orleans. Mm. 
So it could be a early 20s, late teens pick, and that wouldn't be the, the worst thing in the world. And if you have a better draft, you're making a, a later pick. It's better than a poor draft or making a higher pick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, like even looking at this year, there's second round steals that I don't think are getting enough hype for how good that they really are. Like I mentioned them already. We're going to talk about them in the next week. EJ Liddell, like he's a junior at Ohio State. Some people might be scared off at his his age and he might fall. I know a lot of people think he might rise, but he might fall because of his age. And if we can get him in the second round, that'd be great. Or like Jalen Williams is super duper high on my personal board. And I keep seeing Tankathon and that might not be the best uh, resource to look at it, still be a late second. So there are some really good players and I don't know if I trust Cronin to find them, but I know that they're there. I mean, like in the last few years, there's always been a late round draft pick. That's been excellent. Like I know, uh, Desmond Bain was the 30th pick, but that's pretty late. Herb Jones right now is like, I know Phoenix Suns fans don't like him very much right now, but he he's a great defender and playing real rotation minutes. There are players that aren't getting scouted as highly as possible and could make an impact on this team for a lot less money than, you know, we're paying out, so... Uh, be on the lookout for our uh, Finding Gems podcast coming out in the next few weeks. You good? Yep. All right, man. We're available on iTunes, Stitcher, Himalaya Podcast, Dash Radio, Nothing But Net Radio, Tuesdays, 2 to 3 Pacific, 4 to 5 Eastern. And we are out of here. Perfect. Wherever you may be, this is Bill Shinley. Good night, everybody. Let's go! Let's go.